Welcome to Food Stories. I'm Barb Sheldon and it's family day here in Alberta. And so today in honor of my family who I miss dearly and our special guest Lorena Abbott, I have a pot of hamburger soup bubbling away on the stove and as it simmers I'm thinking about family and food and how the two things are so intricately connected, I believe. And I believe that our guests think that as well. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Lorena Abbott pens Métis-themed speculative fiction essays and memoir. A year ago, she received a Calgary Arts Development Grant to write a memoir about reconnecting with her Métis family and the story of her aunt, who is a Métis elder. She received the 2023 Howard O'Hagan Short Story Award for her short story, Masur Marie, published in the Prairie Witch Anthology and was a member of the 2023 Audible Indigenous Writers' Circle. She originates from a cattle ranch in northern British Columbia, but currently lives with her family and writes in Calgary on Métis Local 87 and Treaty 7 territory. Welcome, Lorena. Hi. Thank you so much for being here today. It's so nice to be able to talk to you. I'm glad to be here. This is exciting. Oh, good. We met. We haven't known each other very long, but you and I met at an Alberta Writers Guild event because you're a writer and we connected immediately. um, And I was so interested in you as soon as you said the word pie. (laughs) And and I thought and then we kept talking and I thought now this is a person that has a food story to tell. So I just wanted to start by reading the beautiful quote that you wrote. And then I'd love to ask you about your food story. So what you say is, when I asked you, what is food to you? You said, to me, food is a return to humanity, a return to culture, the warmth of a bowl of stew heating in your hands when you come in from ice fishing, biscuits with butter cooked in a cast iron pan to tell you it's okay that you don't know what to say, a spirit plate left out for my mom and dad to let them know that I haven't forgotten them. I just, chills, immediate chills. Um <laughs> And so the perfect lead into that, it, that's so intriguing. And so I would just love to hear from you. What is your food story, Lorena Abbott? Well, thank you. And I'm going to get you to read all of my writing from now on. <laughs> that <was beautiful. laughs> I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my food story is really a story about how I found my way back to my Métis culture. And it's a bit convoluted, just like just like I think a lot of people's journeys are. And it's also the story of how I became a writer. Um, So it started for me in 2017. I was doing my master's at UBC in audiology, and I had to take a mandatory class in audiology for First Nations, Métis, and Inuit people. So I knew that I had Métis status, but I never thought about it as something I was. I thought about it as something historic. And I'm embarrassed to say almost as a dead culture. I never knew Métis people, although now I know this isn't true. I just didn't know they were Métis because you have to remember until just recently, it was not something you bragged about. So through this class at UBC, I had to go on experiential trips to Métis events. And I really didn't know much about the culture. I hadn't been taught in school. My mom died 30 years ago. She was very young. And I grew up in northern BC on a cattle ranch. And my mom could play the guitar and the piano and she could sing. And her and my dad loved to dance. And we would have kitchen parties, just her and my dad, with me and my four siblings. 
and she taught us the jigs and the songs, and she made the stews and the doughboys and the jams and the jellies. And I never thought anything about it. I just thought that we were different than other families, than the other farmers that lived around us. So, and my father and brother would go elk hunting and we'd have elk hanging in the shed out back and we would go berry picking all the time. But, you know, she never said the word Métis and we just never talked about it. So here I am at UBC and I would go to these Métis events and not only did I know the music and the dances, but the people were dressed like me and they joked like me. And at every event, there was food. There was buffalo stew and bannock and choke cherry jam and really just all of my comfort foods. And I found it really odd that I related so well, but I didn't make the connection yet that I had grown up Métis and that being Métis was a modern thing. And so this continued and I went to do a pediatric audiology residency in Cranbrook, BC in the Columbia River Valley. And I found out that my mom's childhood best friend lived in Kimberley, which isn't far from there. And I went to see her and everything blew open for me. You see, I didn't know anything about my mom's family. I had a few childhood memories. I didn't know the names of all her siblings. I didn't know where she grew up. Her life had really been all about raising us five kids. So I went to see this wonderful woman in Kimberley and she had never moved. She was still in the house she grew up in. And she told me all about my mom growing up next door and my mom's family and how they would meet as children on this golden rock in the sun and pick and eat rose hips. And this is a place in Kimberley where the pine forest goes right up to the back of the house. Um, and it was where the poor people lived 70 years ago near the pulp mill. And I asked her how my mom learned to play music. And she said there was always music in the house. There was always dancing and there was always food. And this is when I realized, and I was kind of hit over the head with a paradigm shift, that I had grown up Métis and everything I'd learned from my mom had been given to her by her family, which is kind of obvious now, but it's just, it was a big realization for me. The food and the music was something that came from a culture and my life changed in that moment. So I started to explore my Métis culture. Um, my daughter learned to play the fiddle, and so we'd go to these Métis fiddle events, and we'd, we'd go to one in Cypress Hill in the south of Alberta called The Hills Are Alive, and it's a beautiful venue. It's four days of music and beating and eating, and every night there's a dance, but the first time when we went to go and register, they took a look at my kid, and they said, oh, you'll want to volunteer and serve food with the rest of the teens, and we were really surprised because we'd paid a ticket for her. We expected her to sit with us. But they were right because it's just the way that things were done in the culture. Elders ate first and the teenagers served everyone and they all wanted to be together. So it was perfect. And it was a big shock for me because the food was just like the food that I ate as a kid. So there were squares of all kinds. And my love, my mom loved to make different squares you know, like lemon squares and um, puffed wheat squares and all those things. Mm -hmm. And there was doughboys, which are like kind of like donuts. And there was stew and hamburger soup and there was rice pudding. And every mm -hmm. time I go to one of these events, I get hit by a memory that takes me back. And it kind of fills in what I didn't know about where I came from. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I began to write. Métis stories based on what I knew about my mom's life, but I knew I didn't know much about my mom's family because my mom had kind of left her family and there were 
there were old resentments and I knew that in order to fill in the past, I was going to have to approach my family, which was a little bit scary for me. And I'd found some essays that my mom had written. And one of them talked about how when she was young, if she would make a pie, my aunt, her sister would have to make 15 pies. And there was always kind of this competition, you know, and, and they were quite poor. And I was very protective of my mom, but I realized that if I was going to reconnect, I would have to put aside all of that and reach out with an open heart. And so the first time I went out to see my aunt who was in Golden, um, I was driving through Golden and I stopped at the Columbia River Valley Métis office. My aunt was there and she's the last remaining sibling of my family, of my mom's that is still alive. And there was drying tobacco on the walls and there was sweet grass in the bins outside. And it was this rich, inviting environment. And I was super nervous. And my aunt was there and she's this dynamic, energetic Métis elder. And she invited me to the house for some soup. And then when we got to her house, she had this big pot of hamburger soup and she dished out some bowls and she had pie. And I learned that she makes this big pot of soup to feed really anyone that needs it to feed, um, you know, family members and people who haven't had a meal for the day. And she's always cooking and she has so many stories. And, you know, we weren't close. We didn't really know each other, but she had made this first step and in offering food. And so I called and asked if she'd be willing to come and let me visit more and, and to write a story about her life and um, all about my, also about my journey and kind of coming back to the Métis Nation. And she said yes. And um, I got a grant from Calgary Arts Development and I began to travel to Golden and to write this story. Um, and that's when I realized that um, food is a really big part of how the Métis people connect with other people and, and how and that she uses what my mom called her competitive spirit to, to really feed her community and to champion Métis people in the Columbia River Valley. So I wrote an essay called 15 Pies about how my aunt has kind of used this drive um, to take care of her community and to really promote the Métis Nation in Golden. And so I called I called her last night to talk about this podcast and just to make sure she was okay with mm -hmm. me um, talking about this. And but before we talked, I said, "How are you?" And she said, "I'm making cheese biscuits." <laughs> I laughed because I wanted to talk about food. And then she said, "Are you okay with cream of chicken, vegetable soup, and banana cake? <laughs> because we're gonna go visit this weekend." And then, you know, I laughed and I told her about the podcast and she said, you know, this isn't me. This is the Métis way. And she told me a story after story of her parents who were poor, bringing people into the house, strangers and stragglers and feeding them from this big pot of soup. And this fact kind of fills another hole in my history, because I remember my parents doing the same thing. My dad would bring home people he met on the street for dinner who needed a meal and we would often have people at Christmas dinner who we didn't know, you know, who 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 they wanted to include in our in our family in our family meals. So that that is my that is my food story. 
Wow. Um, amazing. <laughs> I have follow-up questions. Um, thank you for that. That's so beautiful. And it, for our listeners out there, for those of you who have heard previous podcast episodes, you'll notice that really secretly, this entire podcast is just an homage to soup. <laughs> and if you know me, you know that, and actually maybe I'll post a picture of this, but I have, I have a friend, um, a tattoo artist here in Calgary who has done up a, 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 a mock of a tattoo that he framed for me uh, that's like, you know, the heart where it says mom. And, you know, that sailors would get on their arms, that kind of uh, <laughs> tattoo. But it says soup in the middle of it. And it's because, yeah, and I and I will get it. And it's because um, soup really does stand for this idea of community supporting each other. Yep, completely. I, you really taught me something new. I didn't understand that food was such a cornerstone to the Métis culture. Mm-hmm. And simple, beautiful food too there there seems to be a lot of um like that's food that I grew up on too and I'm not Métis you know so there seems to be a lot of western influence in that food as well like hamburger soup yeah for instance Mm -hmm. um what about more traditional foods have you learned anything about about the more or or is this traditional food I guess is the question it it comes like I'm you know traditional Métis people I don't think made squares but yeah um, yeah (laughs) It really, you know, um, the Métis Nation that I belong to and that uh, that I come from, it's really been a year of me learning about the history because I didn't know about it. But, you know, it was these it was these voyagers that um, that had children with and, and married Indigenous women, but they often they often um, became part of the Indigenous communities and it, you know, it was this um, like-hearted connection and they brought their traditions and it mixed with indigenous traditions. And so a lot of the traditional Métis dishes um, are kind of a little bit European and a little bit indigenous mm-hmm. and and they changed just like the language did to midshift mm-hmm. to be a combination that was appropriate to where they were, which is the prairies. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, Métis soup was called rububu, and it was um, it was root vegetables, and it was meat that could be found on the prairies, and um, and also bannock. You know, before like the Métis are an a people that come from different traditions. And so Bannock uh, kind of came from Scottish and French tradition and then was, and then was taken over by the Métis people and made into something different. And so soup and Bannock and tea was often, was often what was, what was being eaten by the Métis people. I'm not sure there's anything more comforting than soup and Bannock and tea. Uh, that's yeah. what I've written. <laughs> um, how has what you've learned influenced your own cooking and 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 how you and your family are eating? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I I think I think you know before I looked, I thought that food had to be more complicated and the food that really brings me joy is good, nourishing, warm 
warm food and I you know it probably comes from growing up in the north just needing that just needing that warmth and so I've really gotten back to and this is funny that you said about the loving soup but I've really gone but we eat a lot of soups now and um as a way to get multiple nutrients into our bodies and and just to be comforted it just seems like a time of life Mm. that we all need to be comforted and so correct and so definitely and also making larger amounts in order to share yeah 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 that's fascinating that that it's the I think in the last episode we talked about the analogy about stone soup and Mm. uh, and the community building the soup together you know yeah everybody and that's kind of um, that's me too I love always having a pot like that on I agree um how old is your your daughter she is 15 now yeah so she's right at that crucial point where she will be learning how to survive on her own yeah my kids are both um my son is doing his master's and my daughter's in her first year of university and I, I get daily calls like mom I made this soup and I'm freezing half of it and you know, my friend didn't have any and I, you know, wow. gave them, and I love that that's already happening. And is she is is your daughter interested in cooking and in learning the like the Métis traditions of food? Absolutely. Yeah, she she's a better cook than I am. And really? Yeah. And so um, and I think, you know, I think we eat better than I probably did growing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so. um we have more, we have more capacity to teach her, but yeah, it's, it's wonderful when kids can take that forward. It's my favorite and best thing. It feels like such a success. Is she, uh, I'm curious about her, I guess, is, is, is she connected to your aunt? Like the whole family goes and visits your aunt? Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's a good question because for me, um, all of this reconnection to my community is about food and music. So they go hand in hand in Métis tradition. And I'm sure this happens in so many cultures. And um, my aunt is um, a wonderful jigger. She mm. can really dance and she loves the songs. And they they have really connected um, because my daughter plays the fiddle and I don't, it really skipped a generation mm-hmm. for music. My aunt doesn't play the fiddle, but she also loves the music. And she, she has two uh, grandchildren that are in a fiddle group called the golden girls. And they're really, <laughs> they're really, they're really amazing fiddlers. And so we go out and, um, you know, they connect by music and by food. Oh, I love that. The yeah. West Canada doesn't typically have that same sort of kitchen party, you know, right. vibe, right? Than the, the yeah. Western Canada does. And heading out there, sure, it made me excited for my own Irish roots to see everybody using food and music together in the kitchen. And that's why yeah. on this show, we well, we always ask, you know, what are the songs that you cook to? So when you cook or or if you're wanting to feel inspired, is it fiddle music that you put on? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I think we listen to everything right now, but um, when we cook, but fiddle music is a huge part of our daily life. And it, it's the music that really 
gets me going and it gets me passionate because my daughter is a fiddle player and so we hear some we hear a lot of it and it's also um you know those songs that my mom used to play when when she was young so that is the music that definitely connects me to culture um so when you were young and Mm -hmm. this is happening in your household and you were telling me the story at the start and you mentioned that you didn't really understand that it was Métis tradition so your mom never said that this she was doing she was performing Métis um traditions right like you didn't really know you just thought it was a family thing yeah and yeah. you know you don't you don't really think about the environment that you're in you're not yeah, you're not analyzing it, it. Yeah. and she um you know it's it's kind of the effects of colonialism in that it's it's this push away from wanting to be something because of how hard the world makes it that I think you just may not identify with that and you're trying to move forward and you're trying to make a life for your family and so um and so my mom just really you know and they had quite a few hardships they were they were quite poor when they were young my grandfather had had an injury and he had a heart attack and my granny um she had to take in boarders you know for them to survive so there was tons of people in their house and she would cook for everyone but I think it was it was quite difficult you know and there was there was conflict and I think my mom just wanted to you know move away from all that but also she was quite busy you know with five kids yeah and so on a ranch it really that generation worked really hard to move away from poverty and it was all they could do you know there wasn't this like take back of our culture moment it was a I need to survive moment and so no we were never really I knew it was in my background Mm -hmm. um but again I didn't I didn't actually I also didn't know that there was many Métis people I did my I did my thesis work at the Royal University Hospital in Saskatoon on um, on babies and just and we went to this festival called Back to Batash, which is a Métis festival. And seeing all the Métis people was a huge shock for me because I didn't realize wow. that there were Métis communities that existed now. And of course there are. Yeah. Like there's all of these, right. you know, Alberta has Métis communities and and Saskatchewan and Manitoba, but I didn't know. And so I was really quite angry that, um, you know, not at my mom, but I guess at the world for making it. So this was something that, um, that people didn't talk about. Yeah. That there was some shame, shame around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But bless her for continuing to bring the things that were joyful, the food and the music. Absolutely. Consistently. Yeah. So then when you connected to your aunt, I could imagine it felt so much like through the food and through the music connecting back to your mom. Yeah. And, and it's, um, you know, because my mom did it because it was joyous, right? Like the food was joyous and the music was joyous and my aunt does it because it's joyous. And um, it's this really, people don't talk about indigenous joy very much or they're just starting to, and it really like the Métis people 
just they're so funny and they're so trickstery and there's so mm -hmm. much food and dance and um like it really felt like you know like there's a joy with the food <laughs> joy with the eating and it really felt like um the a missing part of my life had had clicked back into place oh. to see where all of this had come from I love that is is there a recipe that you connect with particularly that you'll probably end up sharing with our with our listeners is there one or two recipes where you, that brings you the most comfort that you love the most I I would say um my dad used to make so you can make bannock on sticks over the fire but my dad used to make biscuits um which was bannock just in a cast iron pan mm. and I'll probably um like bannock was called uh by the french like metis metis people la gaillette mm -hmm. and it's just flour baking powder salt sugar shortening and uh, raisins and mm -hmm. so it was always so comforting my dad would make it every sunday and it would come out of the oven and we'd split it open and he'd put butter on it um <laughs> smell like it smell it right now in my in my mind you know oh, and really like herbs also were just part of the food you know you drank the tea at the same time that you yeah what kind ate, of tea ate food uh, rose hip my mom used to collect rose hips all the time and just chew on them but just being really high in vitamin c and yeah, so a good rose hip rose hip tea um and then um, there's hamburger soup or, or uh, bullet soup, which is called bullet soup because it was called boile soup, which means, you know, little balls, um, kind of meatballs. Oh, okay. um, and so I have a recipe for that one, too, just with root vegetables and um, ground beef or pork or whatever, whatever meat you want to use. And what's the broth for that? What's the broth for that? Like, is it a um, is it a tomato base or is it a like a like a starch? Turn up and sweet potato. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So onions. it's a like so it's a vegetable broth, like a clear vegetable broth. And um, let me see. It doesn't. Yeah, there's no like there's no. It doesn't say how much. Like it's not much tomato. water, like you, you put everything in and then you cover it with water mm, and you just let it all those flavors simmer together and all those nutrients, yeah. the veggies like blend and the flavors blend. And yeah, and then, wow, that sounds, I think if you're willing to share, I would love to put all three of those recipes up. Cause that's like a full okay. meal, you know, there's yeah. like to have the soup, the, the bannock and the tea together. It seems like they are sort of sisters with each other, you know, like they relate to each other. I agree. Yeah. yeah, that sounds really, really amazing. And you've obviously had your aunt's version of these things as well. Yes. Um, and I think that would be the hamburger soup and yeah. the the biscuits and yeah, the tea. Absolutely. And now what about the pies? Does she is she still faithful to pies and does she still make them? Or is it more of a like a an analogy for her competitive spirit with your mom? My, my aunt is a pie master. She wow. is, she, I, her pies are unbelievable. 
<laughs> so I can ask her for a recipe for um, a cherry pie or a pie that she makes. What's your favorite? Can you pick I a would, favorite? Is that I art? would say cherry pie for sure. Cherry pie. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, what about you? What's your favorite pie? Lemon, I think. Oh, cool. Yeah, I love lemon. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, but I would say I also love my grandpa used to love raisin pie. Mm. And my kids never liked raisins. So it was always a treat if I could. And it would remind me of my grandpa. Yeah. Raisin pie. I like raisin pie, too. Mm -hmm. um, where can we find your story about your grandma and please say the or your, your aunt and please say the title again? Um, so it's not published yet. So okay. I'm working on um kind of my my instagram is at bone black stories i kind of document um my times going out to golden but i'm still writing this memoir slash biography stuff slash history book mm. and i am publishing pieces of it as i go in journals but the 15 pies stories isn't um a story that's published yet yet but it's coming yet. and people can yeah keep track of you and uh, we can learn more about your your journey and the grant that you got what an amazing honor that is um it is that allowing you to sort of make this whole thing be a like a larger project because you're saying this is going to be like a like an anthology like a memoir a, yeah 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 that was wonderful calgary arts development is really a great um a great institution and uh, I got the grant to write for 2023 and it, it allowed me travel expenses to go out to Golden and to be able to stay there and see my aunt and also to take part in community events. Um, and then it gave me time to write. Um, and then also another great thing is that in 2023, I was part of the Audible Indigenous Writers Circle and I had a, a Métis writer mentor, Warren Cario. Uh, from um, Manitoba, who is just a wonderful mentor and man and really helped me to guide me in the writing of this memoir and also how to work with oral Indigenous stories and to um, be respectful to our elders and uh, to work in an Indigenous style. So yeah, those were two things that really helped move this forward. Is the, I don't know anything about the Audible Indigenous Writers Circle. This is Audible, like the organization? That's right. So okay. um, what they do is they support, I think it's eight mentors who pick, who pick three uh, Indigenous writers. It's something you have to apply to and by sending in some of your work. And so each mentor picks three people they want to work with for six months um and it's really a great program because we every month we had workshops with wonderful writers like um Jessica Johns and Wab Gashik Rice and Warren Cario, Richard Van Camp, and many more. And um then we also worked with our individual mentor to move whatever we were working on forward. So it's a different group of writers every year. Um, and I was lucky enough to be included in 2023. Lucky enough, but I think a really well-deserved honor, Lorena. This is an incredible project. And 
and your whole story is like what an what a beautiful journey for you thank to be you yeah. thank you spectacular is there anything else that you'd like to share with our community about where to find you or or any other projects you have going on um i am on at bone black stories i'm this project is mostly what i'm working on but i have i have um one of my essays so part of part of the book is just things I learn about Métis culture. Um, I have an essay called Cultural Burning about the use of fire in maintaining forest and Métis and Indigenous communities. And that's coming out in Prairie Fire in the spring. Um, yeah. Okay, we'll put links to as many things as we can, yeah. both on social media and in the show notes, because um, I know I'm so interested to continue to follow your journey. <laughs> and see what you learn and maybe one day you can make me some hamburger soup because I would love that absolutely (laughs) well it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for telling us your food story thanks so much for the opportunity and what a wonderful podcast thanks